All right, I'm here with Dominic, Dr. Dominic Brandy. He is a medical doctor thriving with myeloma who has practiced anti-aging and aesthetic medicine for over 38 years. He's also the best-selling author of Beat Back Cancer Naturally. Dr. Brandy, welcome to the show, brother. Hey, it's great being here, man. Yeah, thanks, thanks for showing up. I, um, I got a chance to read your book, uh, an amazing story, but for not everybody that knows your story, can you just kind of talk about, you know, you were known, I believe, as the, uh, remind me your hash your your name tag on Snapchat, but it was like the Skin MD, the Skin. Uh, it was Real Doctor Skin. The Real Doctor Skin. So you're doing all this aesthetic surgeries, and that's like your like main focus. You got a huge, huge following, like 38,000 followers. And then something happened in your life, and that made you pivot and uh, do something a little bit different and in and, and just aesthetics and really dive deep into cancer. But maybe you can kind of just share your story and, and how that all evolved. Yeah, I had uh, my uh, – it was a plastic surgery slash med spa slash uh, anti-aging center for over 40 years. Three years ago, I had a venture capital group come in, and they offered – made me a good offer. I took the offer. Uh, at that point, we were ranked number five in the country uh, through Allergan, a company that makes Botox. So we had over 100 employees. I mean, this was a big, big business. And uh, we helped a ton of people. Uh, five years ago, it was actually five and a half years ago, uh, I got diagnosed with an incurable blood cancer called multiple myeloma. Uh, and for your listeners that don't know, uh, myeloma is a cancer of the plasma cells. They're the cells that make antibodies. Um, and there's three basic types. There's an IgA, uh, an IgG, IgM. I got diagnosed with an IgA, which is the most aggressive. Uh, but my cancer story actually began two months before that. Uh, I was on a cruise with my wife, a two-week cruise, Viking cruise. And I've read well over 300 books on health and nutrition uh, in my career. And, and I will tell you, I was as confused as just about anybody about what the right diet was. Like I thought you always had to eat meat with every meal. And uh, when I go on a vacation, I always read a health and nutrition book. So I pull up Kindle. There's a book called How Not to Die by Michael Greger. I don't know if you've ever read it. But no, if, but it seems like a good playbook for life. <laughs> everyone, your listeners, to read that book. But I will tell you, if you get the hardback, it's about two inches thick. And about an inch of it are scientific references. I mean, there's got to be 5,000 scientific references in there. And that's what really attracted me as I was reading it as a medical doctor. And what the science was showing, you know, consistently was that cultures and research cohort groups that were eating more of a plant-based diet had much lower incidence of cancer, cardiovascular disease, diabetes, and all-risk uh, mortality. So I'm two days into this cruise and I tell my wife, I'm going to start eating whole food plant-based. And she thought I was out of my mind, but I'm one of these people, whatever I decide to do something, I just jump into it. So uh, from that point on, I've been whole food plant-based, but when I came back, it was kind of weird the way it happened. The week that I came back, I was in the middle of a surgery case and I felt a little pop in my uh, clavicle and I didn't really know what was going on. I thought it was a tendonitis or something. And it just continued to get worse. And I remember by the uh, end of October, it was starting to keep me up at night. I, I remember telling my wife, I said, Trina, I think I have bone cancer. And she thought I was out of my mind. She goes, you're the healthiest guy I know. There's no way you have bone cancer. And then a week later, we're watching television. I accidentally knocked over a container of water. I lunged for it. And my 
collarbone just cracked right in half. Um, you know, I went to the urgent care center that got an MRI and I had a, uh, uh, three centimeter, what they call plasma cytoma there. It's kind of a, a, a tumor that can develop with myeloma in the, uh, in the bone. So they did all kind of testing. Uh, they did a biopsy, all kind of blood tests, and they came up with this IgA multiple myeloma, which is the most aggressive type of myeloma. So I went to my oncologist and, uh, he wanted to put me on this triple regimen of two oral medications and then a shot. I'd have to get into my abdomen every uh, week. And the more I read about it is almost everybody that gets that gets a pretty bad peripheral neuropathy. And being a surgeon, I didn't want to risk having my fingers, you know, having tingling or loss of sensation. So I told him, I go, listen, and at this point I had already been eating whole food plant-based for two months. And I was confident that I didn't need to do this Valcade. So I told him I'm not doing the Valcade. So he pulls me in a side room. He tries to get this other patient that had the Valcade to talk me into doing the Valcade. And we're actually good friends, uh, this gentleman that tried to talk me into it. And I came back to my oncologist and I said, hey, listen, doc, I'm, I'm not doing a Valcade. And he was super upset with me. He didn't think I was going to be able to get into a complete remission. Six months I was in a complete remission. Every month, my numbers just kept getting better and better. And just to kind of backtrack, when I got diagnosed, I did a deep search into the scientific literature. You know, I wanted to find out everything that I could do to help me, number one, to get into remission. And then once I get into remission, stay there. And I've been in a complete remission now for five years uh, with just doing two oral medications on a very, very low dose. You know, just so your audience knows, myeloma is an incurable cancer at this point. So you still, still do have to take treatment, but it doesn't affect my life in any way. I have no side effects. I exercise every day. I have a very full uh, and really incredible life. I mean, it's... it's, it's uh, it's incredible the energy levels that I have, uh, you know, with my life. But when I did this deep dive, I was learning all these things I was incorporating into my regimen. And a year later, I decided to do a lecture at one of the hotels. So I figured, hey, I got to share this information with people. So uh, I've done a lot of interviews with plastic surgery, med spa, anti-aging with the local TV stations. So there was one anchor that I knew and I called her. I said, hey, Michelle, can you can you do a little story? I'm going to be doing this uh, lecture at the hotel. I figured I was going to get 50 people. She, well, she did this really neat um, interview with me. Uh, in fact, it's on my website. And uh, we ended up getting 125 people show up. I remember we're pulling chairs from the, the restaurant and, um, and it was, you know, they were standing in the, in the back and I was planning on doing about an hour. It ended up being two hours because people were asking me questions. And, uh, and when I finished it, they gave me a standing ovation. And I've never had a standing ovation for anything in my life. <laughs> um, and I don't know if they did it because they felt sorry for me or they thought the lecture was great. But I personally think it was because there were a lot of cancer patients out there. And I think they thought that they were at the mercy of, you know, the chemo, the radiation, the surgery, and there was nothing they could do afterward. And I remember one lady came up to me afterward and uh, she was definitely obese and she had myeloma like what I have. And she said, Hey, Hey doc, I, you know, I, I asked my doctor, um, should I change my diet? And he said, Oh no, just keep doing what you're doing. You'll do fine. And she told me, 
that I that just wasn't ringing right with me. I knew that couldn't be right. Yeah. So um, so from that point, um, I started to have meetings every month in my med spa, and I'd have different speakers come in uh, to speak. And then people started asking me, hey, you need to, you know, can you write a book because you have all this knowledge and so forth? So uh, I started in, it was Memorial Day, uh, 2019. I woke up every morning. I wrote for an hour. By Labor Day, I had the book completely done, 370 pages, over 500 scientific references. I had it on Amazon the first week of April and I had a book launching uh, the second week of November. So that's kind of like how I got to where I am. So. So amazing. Uh, you know, I'm curious, what was the conversation in your head when you got that diagnosis? Because there's a lot of people that are going to hear this podcast and they've been diagnosed and you're someone who has is really championed and come out the other side. And I, you know, I know, like you said, you, you got into reading a lot of studies, but I also remember just from reading the book, like there was also some, some points where like you, you know, you're a go-getter and I got that from the reading the book. You're, you are a hard charger. And so like when you came back the first month, maybe I think it was like the first month, your levels weren't that great. And you were like, man, like I, but I've been doing like everything that I, I know is right. right. I didn't get the, I didn't get the results I was expecting. Right. And the doctors were like, no, actually you're doing okay. And then like you said, it took about six months. Now your levels are down. So what was that conversation like in, in your head when this was all going down? Well, first off, when you get diagnosed, I don't think anyone can even envision how they're going to react when they get that, that diagnosis. I mean, it is, you know, we all know we're going to die, but when it's right in front of your face, it is a totally different thing. I mean, all of a sudden you got to get your spiritual priorities together, you know, your family, your friend relationships together, financial, because you really don't know how long you're going to live. And the other thing is the thing that I think scares cancer patients, they just don't know what the future is like. You know, what, what's it going to be like? Am I going to have pain? Am I lose all my hair? You know, it, it just, it really scares them. And, and one thing I, when I do uh, cancer lifestyle coaching, I mean, one thing I always tell people, listen, wake up every morning, do everything the best you can eat a good diet, make sure you exercise every day, take your targeted supplements, try to keep your stress down, make sure you get eight hours of sleep, do some intermittent fasting, make sure you get your fiber intake up every day. Just wake up and do the best you can. The other thing I tell them, do something fun every day. You know, and uh, because when you start thinking too far out in the future, it really can make you very anxious. And one of the things that I did, it's in my book, is uh, a good friend of mine that actually had myeloma. She told me, make sure you go to a psychologist. And I did do that. And it really did help me. I had three visits with a psychologist that kind of specialized in cancer. And uh, and she really helped me a lot just to kind of get all the priorities together. And one of the things she said that really allayed me was that. 95% of cancer patients, when they get to the end of life, when they have like about three months to live, she said they're 95% are at peace with that. Um, mm. They're they're not depressed. Uh, they've kind of made peace with the fact that they're going to die. Now, she said 5% go down kicking. <laughs> um, maybe that'll be me. I don't know. But um, but um, but that that made me feel good. And she talked about how, you know, if you do have a lot of pain, there's all these different ways they really can keep your pain under control. So I, I, I do think that it is a shock. It's something that really totally rocks your life. Um, but there's a lot of things that you can do to make sure you get into remission. And once you get into remission, my job is to keep you in remission. And that's really what I try to do with patients. Once they get there, I say, hey, listen, 
there's a lot of things you can do so this doesn't come back. So that's that's primarily my focus when I do these cancer lifestyle coaching uh, sessions with people. Yeah, and we'll definitely get into that. Uh, let's talk about just some of the, the things that you see maybe people are doing wrong or, or just some of the common myths out there that, uh, that come up all the time. Well, we were talking about this a little bit beforehand, but there's this whole thing right now with – you know, you have the carnivores, the ketos, the paleos, you know, they're fighting with the vegans and the vegetarians. And um, and I will tell you, when you go through the science, like I did uh, in the book, uh, How Not to Die, and I've gone through much of the science, British Journal of Cancer, JAMA, Archives of Internal Medicine, that was a big meta-analysis through 2017, the H, uh, AHS2 study, the Epic Oxford study. I mean, they all show that people that eat more plant-based have much lower incidence of cancer. So when you look at the all of the uh, studies, the preponderance of evidence, and that's the thing I always kind of focus on, you got to look at the preponderance of evidence. You just can't look at, okay, there was this one study that said if you eat all meat, you're going to have better uh, insulin levels, et cetera, et cetera. You really have to look at the preponderance of evidence. But but I, I try to focus more on fiber now, more than getting into this thing with plants versus meats and so forth. I mean, the only place you can get fiber is from plant foods. And um, and there was an NHANES study that uh, looked at population groups in the United States. And between 30 to 50 0% of men were getting 30 grams of fiber and 3% of women were getting uh, 30 grams of fiber, which kind of blew my mind. Uh, the average American eats about 15 grams of fiber. So when you, uh, there's a really good book that I would recommend your audience to read. It's called Fiber Fuel by Dr. Will uh, Bolkovitz. I, and you really should get him on your podcast because he does a great podcast. That's awesome. I, I haven't heard of that book, so I'm definitely going to grab yeah. it. Thank you. That book and you need to get him on your podcast because he throws out some major knowledge bombs man. it's like um it, it's it's really a phenomenal book but one of the studies uh in that book uh he kind of turned me on to this study it was in lancet 2017 and it was one of the largest meta-analysis i've ever seen it was like 185 uh, prospective studies 58 clinical trials and they compared the highest uh, fiber consumers compared to the lowest and the highest had a 30% lower risk of premature death. I mean, it was pretty, pretty significant. And then when he looked at some of the specifics in that uh, article, you know, the high fiber uh, eaters had uh, much lower uh, body weights. They had lower blood pressure. They had lower cholesterol levels. They had uh, less type 2 diabetes. So it was pretty convincing. And it was a large uh, meta-analysis in one of the most prestigious uh, journals in the United States. There was another article that actually looked at fiber, but they incrementalized it. It was in 2014. I think it was like 1.2 million uh, people were in this. It was like 42 cohorts. And what they showed was for every 10 grams of fiber increase, it lowered premature uh, mortality by 17%. And, and just to kind of put 10 grams of fiber into context, if you eat a half cup of lentils, that's like 10 grams. If you get a half cup of navy beans, it's really not that hard to get the fiber, but most people just aren't intaking enough fiber in the course of a day. So I try to focus more on the fiber and get away from this whole thing. Like, because I will tell you, 
there are some vegans that are the most unhealthy people in the world. <laughs> I mean, um, uh, Dr. McDougall wrote a book called The Starch Solution. I don't know if you ever read it, but no. he had a chapter in there called The Fat Vegan. And he talks about people that, oh, I'm vegan, but they're eating like potato chips, uh, frosted flakes, Coke all day, and they think they're going to be healthy just because they're not eating animal uh, products. Yeah. Uh, you know, so... I, I think whatever kind of diet you do, I think you need to be educated. You just can't be eating, for instance, all meat, getting no fiber and think you're going to be healthy when you're 60, 70 years old. If you keep eating that way, I will just guarantee you, if you make it to 60, you're going to have all kinds of comorbidities. And, and once again, like I told you before, we really don't know 10, 20 years down the road. I mean, all this stuff is new, even the keto diet. Um, I don't know follow my Instagram site, Cancer Veggie Dog, but I did a post yesterday. I follow Joe Marcola's uh, site. And uh, this was probably about six months ago. He posted what he had for breakfast and it was a 12 ounce steak, six eggs, and it was like ghee butter, all these other saturated fats. And I, you know, I looked at that and I'm thinking, you know, a lot of people probably don't break that down nutritionally. My typical breakfast in the morning, I do a cup of steel cut oats. Uh, I put raspberries, strawberries, blackberries, blueberries. I add a teaspoon of, uh, or a tablespoon, I'm sorry, flaxseed and a cup of soy milk. So I do that every morning. So I kind of, on my Instagram posts, I kind of compared what he was eating compared to what I was eating. And he yeah. was eating 1,300 calories. There was... Uh, 1,550 milligrams of cholesterol. There was 30 grams of saturated fat. There was 1,690 milligrams of sodium. And there was 130 grams of animal protein. Zero phytonutrients, zero fiber, no complex carbs. And then I was, and, and most people think if you eat whole food plant-based, you can't get protein. Just with that breakfast, I was getting 40 grams of plant protein. Uh, yeah getting 30 grams of fiber. So I was almost up, I'm already up to my you know, 30 grams right there with breakfast. And uh, in the course of a day, I probably eat anywhere from 70 grams to 100 grams of fiber per day. I mean, easily I do that. Yeah. Um, but, you know, just to kind of give you a comparison, but I think a lot of people don't um, break down with a lot of these people that do keto and carb, they really don't break it down into nutritional facts. And we do know that when you eat a higher saturated fat with cholesterol, uh, over the last five years, there have been uh, 13 Mendelian genetic randomization studies. There have been 28 randomized trials, uh, nine per per perspective studies, and they all show the same, same thing. In fact, I have the graphs for each types of those studies, and it's, it's basically a linear line. I mean, the higher your LDL cholesterol goes up, the higher the cardiovascular events like heart attacks and strokes. I mean, it is a straight line. So, um, so I think people just need to be careful. And I will tell you, you can do a plant predominant keto. You can do a plant predominant paleo. Um, it, and I like to look, I don't know if you've ever, have you ever read the blue zones book by uh, Dan Buettner? Yeah, I have. And actually, that's what I use a lot as one of my rubrics for a lot of my clients, to be honest, when I yeah, coach them. I, 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 that's kind of like one of the longest studies you could ever do. You're looking at a population group. And for your listeners that aren't familiar with it, the the blue zones are the five areas of the where, world where people live the longest. Uh, Sardinia, Icaria, Greece, 
Okinawa, Nicoya, Costa Rica, and Loma Linda. And, you know, some people will say, okay, well, they're different cultures, but Loma Linda's right smack uh, in the United States and California. And in Loma Linda, you know, there's a lot of seven-day Adventists there. They're vegetarians. But the average woman lives 10 years longer than their American counterpart. And men, it's 14 years longer. Um, so those people eat about 90 to 95% plant-based. Typically, when they have meat, it's about the size of a deck of cars. They might have it like once, two, three times a week. Uh they move every day. They get a lot of sleep. They have less stress. They have a lot of social uh, communications with their friends and their neighbors and families. So I, I always tell people, read the Blue Zones book, get the Blue Zones cookbook, which is amazing. My wife uses it for all kind of neat recipes. But but that's a good way to, you know, if you can kind of mimic some of the habits that, that these people that live over 100 years, uh, if you can mimic what they do, I think you're going to have a much healthier life. Well, well done. And I, I, I did want to get into a little bit. I mean, I, I think you're right. I, we get too dogmatic. People get too tribal. You can't tell me to do that. Like, I want to eat meat. And, and it's like, listen, just calm down. Like, and I always love when I talk to doctors, especially the guys like yourself who are really looking at a lot of the studies, the Mendelian studies. And, and they say, look, I, this is just what I see. And then, you know, I'm all about results, too. Like, if you're getting good results, then maybe we should listen. Um, well, you I, know, I'll just give you one example. I, I don't like the name and so forth. But Paul Saladino, uh, he's the carnivore MD. And, and, and everybody knows him. And, and Dr. Brandy, I mean, I was even going to tell you, you know, I think he's got like a cholesterol of like 300. And he's very happy to tell you and say, hey, I don't care because look at my, all my other labs. Like yeah. I'm in my 40s and they're phenomenal. Well, so what are you going to tell me, Dr. Brandy? Right? Like that's kind of what he says. So yeah. it's, it's interesting. Oh, he was on Joe Rogan. He was bragging. It was 535. Wow. It could be 80 or below. I mean, I'm just telling you, if, if you keep an LDL that high, I'm just telling you, there's no way you're not going to have some kind of a cardiovascular event when you're a young man. I'm, uh, it's just, you know, I mean, it's the preponderance of evidence over many years, over thousands of studies. So, yeah. But and Paul, that, Paul also has is that a lot of people listen to that. And they change their diets. And these young people that start doing this, I mean, they're going to run into some problems, you know, 5, 10, 15 years down the road. Uh, I'm, I'm a confident of that. Yeah. And, and Paul, you know, I always joke, I, I like him. Uh, and I and I think his I think his heart's in the right place to be honest. But what I will say is, you know, even I've watched him over the years slowly evolve. Now he's adding fruit. Now he's adding oh, honey. Oh, he? Now he's doing kefir. I'm like, well, that's not. I mean, I don't know, Paul, but like, that's not. <laughs> Truly, you're still calling yourself the carnivore MD, but you've added fruit and uh, a lot of other stuff. So it's just kind of funny. That's good to know. That's good to know. He's like you know, incorporating some. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. Um, you know, and one of the things, and we don't have time to get into it, but I mean, I, I, I kind of highlighted in your book is you, you were talking about uh, people, especially on animal protein, and you really highlighted the importance of iron and copper and, and actually that cancer cells, they steal iron and copper. Right. And they actually use that as a fuel. I, I had no idea. So that was interesting. And of course, you can get a lot of iron from, from meat, red meat specifically, right? So um, just some kind of interesting stuff there that you hey, highlight about the animal protein. Let you know, when uh, I told you about Joe Marcola's site, about two months after that, he was talking about iron. You brought up iron. He bloodlets every month. He does. I, I follow him. I, I follow him and I've seen him at the conferences. And <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I don't know. I mean, I, like I actually try to keep my ferritin levels at very low normal. Uh, the low normal ferritin is 10. I keep mine around 11 or 12, you know, mainly because when you uh, 
when you get higher iron levels, iron in higher levels, it creates what's called the Fenton reaction, creates a lot of free radicals uh, that can create a lot of DNA mutations. And, and that's one of the things I teach my patients. You really want to keep your free radicals down. So you don't get more DNA mutations, which are going to get you out of your remission and into a, another bout of cancer. So, um, but kind of... Yeah. Yeah, no. Um, oh, talk, talk just briefly about um, chemo and just kind of your thoughts. I, I mean, you know, you have a great stat in the book. 70% of cancer patients, they end up relapsing. And to think that only, you know, conventional chemo and radiation is going to be the, the cure. Uh, what would, how, how would you just kind of just, you know, highlight to people like, hey, you, you can do this, but there's got to be other things, I think, too. Uh, that's the message I would be taking home. You got to do more than just that and expect it just to vanish, right? Yeah, I mean, one of the things I don't do, I don't tell people to think that they're going to defeat trillions of cancer cells with just food uh, and even supplements. Um, I, I really believe in a holistic approach. So when I, I just had a patient that is has ovarian uh, metastatic cancer, I just talked about her a couple of days ago, and you know she's trying to do everything holistic. I said, listen, you got to do your chemo. But what I do ask them to do is why don't you ask your oncologist, instead of doing a big bolus every month, see if they can do it metronomically. In other words, break that down into four smaller doses, because there are studies that show you get much, much less side effects when you do that. And also it works better because you don't give that cancer a chance to develop angiogenesis, which are new blood vessels, which help it grow. So I, I do think you need to do uh, conventional therapy, there are ways to make it safer. And I do recommend taking antioxidants. I, I basically take over 30 and they're all herbal supplements and they do have high antioxidant levels, but I will tell you, it's a knee jerk reaction. Almost every oncologist will say, don't take any supplements while you're getting your, your chemo. And there's a, uh, there's a few studies I have in my book, Keith Block, 956 uh, it was studies. It was a meta-analysis and he looked at people that were taking antioxidants with cancer treatment and he found that they did much better. They, they, they tended to finish their treatment. They had less side effects. I think there was only one that had a side effect. It was vitamin A overdose. That's a fat-soluble vitamin. They were just taking too much. Then there was another one, 280 studies. It was a meta-analysis. It really showed the same thing. Uh, so uh, so I, and, and once you get into a remission, that's my job. I try to get you eat more plant foods. Uh, personally, I think if you had cancer, I think you need to do strict whole food plant-based. Other people like you, I don't have a problem with people eating, you know, 20% of their diet, meat. That, that, I, I don't really have a problem with that. I, I, I do think they should try to make it plant strong. I like that word, plant strong, plant predominant. But I, I recommend uh, there's 30 plus supplements that I take when I do my consults. I write them a letter. Then I put all the supplements that I take. And then I put three asterisks next to the ones I think are most important for them. Two that I think are less and then one for the least. And then exercise is probably one of the most important things that you can do on a daily basis. I mean, there's no question. Even, even six minutes of exercise increases your natural killer cell activity by 50%. So when people tell I'm me- so happy. I tell them, you know what, just do six minutes. You're going to get better. 
I love that you brought that up. And I, that was one of my questions is what does exercise have anything to do with cancer? Like I could just imagine, like you're telling me I need to exercise, Dr. Brennan. Like you don't understand I have cancer. So yeah. Is there anything else you would say other than the six minutes? I mean, that's powerful. I, I love that. And I think it's, you know, the biggest thing I hear with a lot of clients too is Joel, I can't exercise. I don't have time. And I, I, I like to say that too. I, I say I've been the last nine years since my first son was born, I've only been working out 10, 20 minutes a day tops. And, um, but I'm just consistent, man. And I say, you can really get it. If you understand how to trigger growth hormone and testosterone, you can do a 10 minute workout and get a really good bang for your buck. And people don't understand that. Absolutely. But some of the, you asked me, what are the things that it does? Well, first off, it makes your innate antioxidants more efficient. Catalase, glutathione, uh, superoxide, dismutase. It jacks up the uh, activity of your tumor suppressor genes. It decreases inflammation. As I said, it jacks up your natural killer cell activity, but probably one of the most important things, and I know you interviewed Robbie and Cyrus, it actually- Those are the guys from, uh, if anybody doesn't know, they're the guys mastering diabetes, yeah, a fantastic, it, fantastic uh, group of guys and a great podcast. Uh, but they uh, improve your insulin resistance. You know, when you do, I, and I strongly recommend patients to at least do three to four days of uh, some kind of resistance training. I personally do bands. I have a band routine. I get through in about 15 minutes. But as you get sarcopenia, as your muscles start to deteriorate, you actually lose uh, insulin resistance. And, and what people don't realize is insulin, and I know Robbie and Cyrus brought this up. It, I mean, it is the most powerful anabolic substance in your body. And when you are insulin resistant, you have, you have very high levels of insulin uh, in your bloodstream. And insulin is a very powerful growth factor for cancer. When, when the levels are too high, when they're normal, you're fine. But when they're too high, uh, it is a very powerful, it's probably the most powerful stimulus of growth factor. In fact, when they do uh, uh, cancer research with uh, growing, for instance, breast cancer cells in a Petri dish, if they want to get them growing faster, they apply insulin. That's how they get them growing faster. So, um, so really developing uh, insulin resistance is important. And 38% of the American population is pre-diabetic. I don't even know it just because of all the, the ultra processed foods. And I will tell you one thing. We were talking about the carnivores versus the ketos versus the vegans. The one thing they all have in common, which is great. They all say, get rid of the processed junk. Get rid yep. of cookies, get rid of the frosted flakes, get rid of the potato chips, the corn. You know, like if you get rid of that, you're always going to do better if you just get rid of the ultra processed food right off the bat. And I think that's why even when you go from um, what you're eating to even paleo, for instance, you feel so much better because you're getting rid of all the. Yep. Seriously. Yeah. Hundred percent. You mentioned you mentioned you take thirty supplements. I wanted to ask you, you know, and again, everyone has a bio individuality, like you mentioned. Um, but for anybody just listening, what would you say? Like, these are the top five. I know you only got thirty, so what are your like top five? And then also, I'd love to ask you um, on top of that, any therapies that you found beneficial, such as hyperbaric oxygen or just anything like that. That um, if people have the extra money to spend, they can also invest in that in their health. Well, what I do is I like this woman that had uh, metastatic ovarian cancer. And when you get to that point, I mean, there's trillions of cancer cells going out of control. So I usually there's some different uh, facilities throughout the United States. I'll recommend, for instance, uh, hyperthermia treatments where they they actually they'll put you in a chamber and they'll they'll actually jack up the heat like Cleveland Clinic does it. So in the National Cancer Institute actually has this on their website. So it is 
considered kind of conventional therapy, uh, but it's 116 degrees Fahrenheit you're in there. Um, and they have to sedate you. I mean, because it's so hot. Uh, so they stick like a, I think it's like a, they stick like an anal probe, right? And they heat your temperature up the core to like what you said. It, yeah, it's, yeah. From what I've heard, it's pretty intense. Yeah. And sometimes they'll heat actually the chemo and they'll put that into your veins. And th there's a lot of different ways that you can actually do hyperthermia. Wow. Do you think that uh, ozone uh, therapy and hyperbaric chambers are good? In fact, uh, anytime you can increase oxygen in the microenvironment of the cancer, cancer hates high oxygen. It loves hypoxia. It loves inflammation. It also likes acidity. Uh, there's a couple studies I have in my book where you can actually increase your oxygen in your micro cancer microenvironment significantly just exercising. Um, you know, there were some rodent studies that have done, and uh, I mean, it, it increased the oxygen content by 90%, which is pretty dramatic. Um, the other thing that I do, I really try to alkalinize people. Um, I have a chart in my book. Um, it was developed by Brian Chafee. He's a PhD. He dedicated his whole life really to this chart where you eat certain foods, you see how it affects your pH. And the chart basically is lowest alkaline, low, lowest or highest uh, alkaline, highest uh, acidity. And then there's like all these gradations in between. And I, I keep that thing on me all the time. I kind of am always trying to memorize it. Um, but cancer also struggles in an alkaline environment. So we're all going to be 7.35 to 7.45. I mean, your body's going to keep you within that range. But I like my patients leaning towards 7.45. An easy way to monitor that is if you go on Amazon, they have these urine pH strips. Every morning when I wake up, when I pee, I look at it. I try to keep it between 6.5 to 7.5. It's very green. In fact, one of the things I do before I go to bed, and most cancer patients would probably like faint when I tell them this, before I go to bed, I eat watermelon and I eat pineapple because they're two of the most alkaline foods you can eat, along with raspberries, mm. uh, persimmon, tangerines. You know, they're, they're some that, if you look at the chart, they're the most alkaline. Pumpkin seeds, I always put pumpkin seeds on all my salads and so forth. But when I wake up in the morning, I mean, I'm, I'm like, super green when I urinate on that strip. But uh, that's one of the other things that I really strongly recommend. And I will tell you, if you look at that chart, meat is way on the acidic side. I mean, it's the most acidic. So, um, but that's, you know, that's another kind of component of what I recommend. As far as supplements, my, uh, my number one supplement is turmeric. I think mm, everyone wow. take turmeric. I don't care. Is there, Dr. Brandy, is there a form you like? I've heard of like turmeric longa for the brain, for TBI patients, but is there a form that you well, prefer? Well, always look for the turmeric root. I, I don't like the, uh, and, and they're usually the cheaper ones. Everything I recommend is on Amazon. I try to look at the the highest quality for the, le for the least amount of price. And one of the things your listeners might be interested in, there's a, a website called consumerlab.com. You know, if you're ever curious about, you know, hey, is this supplement a good quality supplement? Just go on there, you know, apply. I, I, I think you have to pay, but it's very inexpensive. But they'll give you their top picks and so forth. Just kind of give you an example. I was using a Carabelli uh, olive oil and I thought it was like good. They had their olive oil top picks in Carabelli, like 25% of it was rancid. <laughs> and I got to change it. So I like Lucini was their top pick. So I use Lucini now, same with soy milk. You know, I went through there. Silk was the highest, uh, that was their top pick. And when I look at silk, if you do a cup of uh, soy milk, it has eight grams of protein, has two grams of fiber. I mean, just one cup. I mean, it's crazy what that does. So 
When I yeah. look for a turmeric supplement, I'm looking for the whole root rather than standardized for 95% curcumin. And I'll tell you the reason, there have been several studies that show that when you compare turmeric to, there's one study compared to like seven different cancers, to just curcumin, the turmeric worked better. And the reason is that there's over 300 phytonutrients in that turmeric root besides the curcumin. There's tumorone, zingarone, and these work synergistically. And if you go on my website, I have a few lectures that I've given on synergy. And it is amazing how the 100,000 plus phytonutrients in plant foods work synergistically. I mean, it is actually mind-blowing. I would recommend your listeners to go to my website and look at some of those lectures because uh, it, it really is mind-blowing the way God made us and how he made all these plant foods, how they how they work synergistically to give you these amazing antioxidant, anti-tumor, anti-inflammatory effects. So, but um, but I take four as for cancer patients. I recommend taking four grams in the morning, four grams at night. I use a Carlisle brand. Um, it's pretty much just the turmeric root. For somebody like you, if you did a gram like or two, if you did one in the morning, one in the evening, that would be fine. But I always recommend taking it with some kind of oil. I take, I, I take actually three uh, fish oil supplements uh, before I take my turmeric and I take three in the evening before I take my turmeric supplements. And the reason for that is uh, the, one, the brand I use, it's called New Age. Uh, each, uh, each gel cap has uh, one gram of uh, EPA, DHA. Uh, and my, when I check my omega-6 to omega-3 ratio, I'm at 1.9 to 1. So I have a, an amazing omega-6 to omega-3 ratio just doing that every day. But you need the oil to absorb the turmeric. The other thing I take with the turmeric is bioperine. It's a black pepper extract. There's several studies that show that uh, when you take it with turmeric, you get much better bioavailability. There was one uh, article that showed it increased by 2,000%. So I would say turmeric's number one. Um, some of the other ones that are kind of well-known would be like ginger, uh, garlic. Uh, I, I, I think they're, they have a lot of very positive effects. You get a lot of those just in, in your diet uh, when you eat. But I have a whole, yeah. and I think amla is probably one of the other ones. People don't really don't aren't probably aware of that Indian gooseberry. Yeah, I didn't know that one. Most potent antioxidant supplement on the face of the earth, uh, but it does so many things. It keeps your blood sugar down. In fact, when I uh, when one of the things I always recommend uh, for patients, there's four supplements I recommend to keep their blood sugar down. One is amla. Uh, the other one is berberine, which I think is really important. The other one is uh, gymnema uh, sylvestre, and then cinnamon. I sprinkle cinnamon on everything, my oatmeal. So do I. Put it in my morning coffee. I mean, cinnamon, it, it really has amazing anti-cancer effects, but also has a lot of uh, glucose-lowering effects. Yeah. Amazing stuff, my friend. Man, I'm looking at the time. I got to run. And uh, I, can we possibly do a part two? Because I feel like I didn't get to ask. I feel like I could probably talk to you for another hour. Yeah, there's a lot of stuff we could go over. I mean, I, um, you know, I, I always kind of wish I could have like three hour interviews of people because so much information that I could share with people. And a lot of it is uh, scientific studies, because I think I think when you have the science behind it, 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 it really has a lot more credibility. You know, I think anecdotes really have very little to no uh, benefit. Um, you know, they, they, they help. They're way low on the uh, spectrum. But, uh, but anytime, uh, Joel, that 
uh, you're interested, I'll be more than glad to uh, you know share with you. I pre- I appreciate that. And, and 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 seriously, anybody go check out your book, Be Back Cancer Naturally, Doctor Dominic Brady Brandy. They the book is filled and filled with citations. So yeah, there's no joke. And I as a as a guy who's very conscious of this stuff and just the stuff that I want my listeners to look at. It, it's important to me. I love being able to say, okay, well, where does that say and how did the study look? So it, it's really great. Um, last but not least, my friend, can you just tell everybody if they want to learn more about you and what you're up to, your book, and just how they can connect with you? What's the best way to do that? Well, they can get my book on Amazon. It's in uh, hardback, paperback, audio, Kindle, however you like to read. Uh, if they get it on my website, I do give them a signed copy. It's about the same price as what it is on Amazon. Uh, I do. Uh, then I have an Instagram site. Uh, it's Cancer Veggie Doc. I'm on TikTok. Uh, it's Dominic Brandy, Facebook Dominic Brandy. So I'm, you know, I I do all of that social media stuff, and I do a post every single day. I make sure I always do that. But I do uh, just so that your uh, listeners know, I do one hour or two hour virtual consultations, and then I have this. Uh, I mentioned it to you before. Twenty four seven access to me through text and email. And I will tell you, patients absolutely love that. You know, it just, they pay $20 uh, a month. And I used to not charge for it. And I think patients felt uncomfortable, like contacting me. And I talked to my web designer, because you should charge a hell of a lot more than $20 a month. <laughs> and I, I said, you know what, this is a passion project for me. I'm trying to help people. And, um, but when they pay that $20 a month, they don't feel like they're, they're bothering me. So they'll, they'll, I get texts every day. I probably get like 20 texts every day from patients. Hey, I got my lab work. Can you take a look at it? Um, I read this scientific study. Can you analyze it? Hey, I need some just emotional like support. Hey, you know, I, I, and, and what I do is every two weeks, I have all these people on a list. I just send them a text. I go, Hey, what's going on? How are you doing? And then I do a lot of lab testing. Uh, I, through Quest, I have a, uh, I check over 70 biomarkers, uh, all their vitamin levels, their mineral levels, heavy metals, uh, hemoglobin A1C, their, their uh, insulin growth factor one, uh, their omega-6 to omega-3 ratios. They basically go to Quest. Uh, I usually put a diagnosis on there and insurance completely covers it. I do charge just to analyze it, but it's a minimal fee. And then I also do microbiome testing to stool culture through a doctor's data. And then I do a, it's called GPL talks through Great Plains Laboratory. That's a urine that they can do. And it checks 173 toxins that they may be exposed to. So all that's on my website. I got tons of videos, tons of blogs. I, I think they'd really enjoy it. So yeah, amazing, amazing work. Appreciate you so much. Thank you for being a light in this uh, in this world and and just and giving us all this knowledge. It's amazing. Thank Thanks, you. Thanks, Joel. Hey, it was great, great chatting with you. Hey, you do a great. Yeah, like by the way, you, you're phenomenal. Love it. Thanks, brother.